I'd like to take you back to the year 1999. Um, it's New Year's Eve, turn of the millennium, and I'm walking towards passport control at Heathrow Airport. Um, and at this point, I still had my South African passport. Um, and as a non-British uh, passport holder, you need to get a visa um, in order to enter the country. So you need to have a reason, either it's for travel, maybe it's for business or for transit, but you need a visa to, to gain entry into the country. Um, so as I arrived at the immigration officer, I explained that my purpose of travel to the UK was to minister to students at an international students club and run by the Church of England. He looked at me a bit confused um, and he said, well, can I please see your visa? I said, well, I need a volunteer visa for, so I can minister to these students. Um, now, if you watch um, any of the Fly on the Wall documentary TVs about airport shows, you know this conversation is probably not going to go down very well. And the immigration officer looked at me and he said, you mean to tell me you're coming to the UK, a first world country from South Africa to do missions work? I said, yes. A very long conversation and a phone call to the Church of England and I did get my year's visa. But the reaction of the immigration officer is exactly what the world view and dare I say some churches is is that we send missions to the deepest, darkest Africa. We send well-trained people to the deepest, darkest Africa who are people who haven't heard of Jesus. Well, the statement is true. We do need to send people out to brothers and sisters who don't know Jesus. We do need to pray and support those who go out to the communities who don't know Jesus. But when we look at missions, we are mindful that Jesus tells us about the end of the age and what needs to happen before Jesus comes again. In Matthew 24, 14, as the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. All nations around the world will need to hear the good news of Jesus. But as we look at what Jesus instructs us to do with these, to make disciples, it's much more profound. It's for every single one of us that we need to do in our own personal lives. Missional living and missional thinking is not about geography. It's about thinking, and anybody who believes in Jesus, these teachings are for. So the passage today, we're going to look at how this affects us here in Colchester in 2022. How crazy would it be if the person living right next door to us is the very person that needs to accept Jesus as their personal saviour, and yet we've never told it to them? I was reading a staggering article. 4.1 billion people tuned into the Queen's um, funeral. The Queen made sure that she put a gospel presentation into her funeral service before she passed. 4.1 billion people heard a gospel presentation. Each one of us needs to be mindful how we can share the love of Christ with others. So the passage we're looking at today is called the Great Commission, and it's the last words of Jesus to his disciples in Matthew's Gospel account. When someone is leaving their last words, these words are important, and it's our opportunity for them to leave instructions, support, and encouragement. The last words of someone are worth remembering. Jesus makes sure that he tells his disciples exactly what they need to hear. And Matthew records these words of wisdom for us to give us encouragement and support each day. So the Great Commission today, we can split up into three. A statement given, instructions to follow, and a promise to hold on to. A statement given. When someone gives, their, um, gives instructions for us to follow, whether or not we follow those instructions is very much dependent on that authority of that person who's giving those instructions. Um, I was cleaning up my garage and a lady came up to me and she said, I need to ask you some questions. But I was busy. I was 
I was doing my work. I had no time for questions at that time. So I said, so sorry, I've got no time for questions. She looked at me a bit strangely. She said, no, I, I'm, then I need to know your name and your address and why you're not going to answer any questions. At this point, I thought, she's definitely selling me textbooks. I've got no time for this. I'm so sorry. As she turns and she walks away, I realised she was from the police department. I saw her lanyard and that she was a detective. I stopped what I was doing and started answering her questions. It was about an incident that happened while we were away on holiday. Thank goodness it wasn't a Duffy household again. It was something that as soon as I saw she had the authority to ask us a question or ask me something, I showed that I respected her authority. I stopped what I was doing and I listened to her. Jesus was reminding his disciples that God his Father was given all authority over everything to Jesus. We see Jesus refer to the Trinity when he says, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Singular name, but three distinct persons. In John 3:35, the Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. Jesus has authority over all. Every living creature, no matter how large or small, Jesus has authority over. Every angel, every human, every breath right now, Jesus has authority over. Jesus has authority even over Satan. Paul reminds us in Philippians that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Jesus has authority over everything, whether we choose to believe it or not. At the end of the age, Jesus is going to come, whether we accept him or reject him. But we will all recognise that he is God when he finally reveals it at the end of age. Everyone's under Jesus' rule. Jesus was saying, now that my time is complete here on earth, and it's time for you to go and make disciples. As a follower of me, teach others by my authority. When we pray, we often say, in Jesus' name. This is us acknowledging that Jesus has authority over our prayers and our lives. Jesus was cementing this authority with his disciples so they knew they could trust in him. They knew he wasn't a crazy man, but he was the Son of God. They could listen to his instructions and obey his instructions. So what was Jesus telling those disciples to do on that mountaintop of Galilee? What is Jesus telling us to do now as believers, every day, everywhere we go, and every disciple? So the second part we are looking at is the instructions that Jesus gives his disciples. Now, in order for us to understand the instructions what Jesus was giving to his disciples at the end of his ministry, we need to go back to see what he first said to them at the beginning of his ministry. So in Matthew 4, 18 to 20, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, so I'm going to say that again, the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, said Jesus, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you disciples, uh, sorry, fishers of people. Now we are saying, Go, teach others to do that, teach others to fish for people. His first instructions were, follow me, I will teach you, I'll instruct you. Now he's saying, go, teach others, make disciples of others so they can do the same. Just as you lived and learned from me, show others how you live and interact. When Jesus' disciples were first sent out, Jesus instructed them only to go to the Jewish people first. And that was in Matthew 10, 5 to 6. 
These twelve Jesus sent out for the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. We see Jesus saying, stay away from the Gentiles, stay away from the Samaritans who have defiled the Jewish faith and tradition. But now Jesus is saying, go to all nations, go to the people who hate you, go to the people who need your help, go to the lost and the forgotten in society, go to the wealthy, go to the poor. So you're going to say, Gav, it says go. How far do we go? Is there a magical distance that we need to get to in order to go? And I'm sure a lot of you are aware that I'm not very good with languages. Um, and I have to read the Bible commentaries. And, and the commentary draws us to the fact that the main verb is not go. The main verb is make disciples. And it could be better written for me to understand it as this. As you are going, make disciples. As you're dropping the children off at school, make disciples. As you're going, spending time with your friends at the football, make disciples. The going is implied. The going is what we do in our day-to-day lives. Jesus was saying, just as I have eaten meals with you, just as I have shown you how to live in the good times and in the bad times, just as I've taught you to seek and seek the guidance of God the Father, as you are going, do the same. Every day, every disciple, everywhere you go. Jesus was saying all nations, even Samaritans, even the Gentiles like ourselves. I heard a statement that I liked. It says, God doesn't need your good works, but your neighbor does. We are saved by grace. There's nothing more that we can do to gain more salvation. But as a follower of Jesus, we need to follow what Jesus did. As a disciple, it's not an academic exercise in learning the Bible word for word. We learn from Jesus who spent the time with his disciples and showed them how he lived, helping the lost and forgotten people, helping the people that society shuns. We see that making a disciple is not just teaching somebody, letting them go for it. Jesus loves you, there we go, go for it. No, it's more teaching our day-to-day lives, showing each other how we live, being a witness. It's more of an apprenticeship, real-life training as we go along. Sometimes it can be difficult. Emma said, um, uh, was speaking about the wall of doubt in a sermon a few Sundays ago. And we can think to ourselves that I'm not good enough. I mess up all the time. How can I be showing my love of Jesus with other people when I'm messing up? We read in Matthew 28, 16 to 17. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Some doubted. Some knew exactly how to follow the Great Commission, but some still had doubt. Some had seen Jesus do all these miracles. They lived with him. They saw him, but they still doubted. Doubted is is, is different to not believing and rejecting Jesus. These instructions Jesus gave is for anyone who accepts Jesus and loves Jesus. Even if we um, have just accepted Jesus as Saviour and this is all new to us, even if sometimes we doubt, Jesus loves us and gave those instructions to each one of us. He instructed us on how to make disciples. Jesus says, teach them and baptise them. Jesus says, as you are going to your neighbour, teach them and baptise them. 
to baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's this important part of what Jesus said. When we get baptized, it's a public declaration that we have turned our backs on our old lives and have a new king in our lives. We have put Jesus on the throne of our lives instead of self. It's a symbol to death to sin and self, but instead being renewed by the Holy Spirit and being cleansed by the blood of Jesus. When we baptize someone, it's a mark in time in that change in that person's life. It's a shift in paradigm. It's a different worldview. If you have not been baptized, please, I would speak to Chris today. It's important. It doesn't mean that you're not saved, because Chris would be walking down the house street right now with a super soaker, spraying everybody. But it's rather a mark in time in one's place when you recognize that a change has happened. So Jesus instructs us, as we are living our lives, to make disciples. I don't know about you, when, when I get into a situation I'm about to share my faith, my mouth turns dry, I lose the ability to say what I wanted to say, and everything just goes to pot. And then you realize we can't do this on our own. Jesus gave us a promise and a hope that we can hold on to, which is part three. He says, I'm going so the Holy Spirit can come. The Holy Spirit will be with you as you go and make these personal relationships. Jesus will be with you. I can be with you as you're going into this broken world. When we stop and pray before we share our faith, suddenly we have this encouragement from the Holy Spirit and we form those words in our mouths. Luke records um, what Jesus says at his ascension, which was in Acts 1 verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit's role is like a conduit for God's work here on earth. The Holy Spirit points towards Jesus. We see the Holy Spirit working through Jesus while Jesus was doing his earthly ministries. But the Holy Spirit never once took credit. Instead, the Holy Spirit points to Jesus as a sign, points to God as a sign. Now Jesus is saying, I'm going to take up my position of authority with God the Father so the Holy Spirit can come and be with you and be with all believers who trust in him. The Holy Spirit is the empowering force in every Christian's life. The church is now the body of Christ through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is also a gentleman. The Holy Spirit won't push his way into your life if you don't accept him. You can choose to listen to the Holy Spirit in your lives. It's your personal decision each day. As you are going through your lives, it's important to listen and know the prompting of the Holy Spirit. It's keeping that relationship open with the Holy Spirit and not suppressing the Holy Spirit. It's making sure that we make those decisions correctly day to day, that we don't grieve the Holy Spirit and the decisions we make. We can say, that the most important part of the Great Commission is the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to look at, we had a statement given. Jesus declares he has authority over all. We can listen to him, which is the second. The instructions to follow is make disciples, be a witness to the nations. And the third thing we can hold on to is that promise that God will never leave us or forsake us. He'll be with us forever through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. 
I've got some bookmarks to hand out. Um, as we move into a time of, of reflection, I'd like you to think about how we are being witnesses to people around us. Early in our discipleship groups, we, I think we had three or four people we, we were chose who we were going to pray for, and we wrote them down and we made sure we prayed for them daily. I, I would like us today, as, as, as we're reflecting, to think of four people that we can pray for and think about. And we have a bookmark I'd like to give you on one side, it's John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So that's something that when we're feeling down, we know that God loves us. He loves all of us. And the other side is the Great Commission. It's a reminder that we need to go out and be a witness. So I'll take this opportunity to, for yourselves and just think of four people as I walk around handing out the bookmarks. <laughs>